today's reading is Mark 1, uh, verses 14 through 20. It can be found on page 922 of the Bible next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Messy lives with your grace. 
so that we are more of a mess than we care to admit, but in Jesus we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. And so whatever we brought in here now, would you enter into the conversation that we're already having? Would you be in a convincing way a part of our life this morning? And, and teach us through these ancient words, these Holy Spirit-inspired words, in a way that our lives would have more of you and would be changed because of it. We pray in Jesus' name. I guess I could use this stand. I don't have to hold the mic the whole time. Every once in a while, when we don't have our normal sound technician, we, we do kind of an easier sound setup. So, that's what we're doing today. So, thanks to those who made it happen. So, our story is a very simple story. Uh, and yet, hard to wrap our mind around. Jesus begins to talk for the first time. According to Mark, the way Mark tells us about Jesus, this is, this is the first words out of his mouth. This is where it all begins. And... Um, you know, I think that's, that should give us a sense of uh, heightened importance. Not just a story among many stories, but kind of the opening story that tells us something about, like, well then, you know, kind of how things start, kind of the first words out of someone's mouth, kind of tend to give you a lot of a picture of where things are going. And what you notice in the story, and I'll just kind of jump right into it, because uh, I used up a lot of my time with a lot of the uh, community announcements. It's, if, you, if you really look at the story, there's, there's a sort of simplicity to it. There's not a lot of the details that we would hope would be there. Um, and there's an abruptness to it as well. So there's simplicity and abruptness going on here. Just simple words. And we see that Jesus calls people to follow him, first of all. That's the first thing that I want to point out. Really, there's kind of two pieces to it. There's an, his announcement initially of what he's all about. That's in verse uh, 15. And then as we get into verse 16, 17, that's the, he's calling his first followers. He's calling people. So let, let's start with the calling. It's simple. It's abrupt. And let's sit with that. I think a lot of times what we want to do and what I'm tempted to do passage that doesn't tell us a lot of the things between the lines. We want to try to read between the lines. We want to, we want to get kind of fancy and have, have these fancy added ideas from the history, maybe, of the situation and the culture. And a lot of times they blur into guesses and then we draw conclusions about it. I want to keep it, I want to just kind of stay away from a lot of the fancy guesswork and wonder if the sheer simplicity and abruptness of this call is what we need to sit with. Jesus walks up to some people fishing by the Sea of Galilee. He says, Come, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets and they followed him. <coughs> When you think about it in a simple terms, a person is walking up, what would you do if a person walked up to you and said, come follow me? 
drop what you're doing, let's go. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, right? There's a ridiculous nature to this, that if you just sit with these words and don't try to explain them away in one way or another, there's, it's odd, it's strange, it's unusual. And I think one of the things that you begin to think about, if you picture sign of an old high school acquaintance of yours coming up to you in the middle of the day and saying this, and you picture what, you know, as ridiculous as that would be, even if you really liked the person, genuinely thought maybe they had some something to this, I don't know that you would abruptly and quickly drop everything and follow them. I think instead most of us would ask for some details. Okay? Isn't that kind of the natural thing? And we're not given a conversation like that in this passage, but I think most of us would want to know, what are the plans related to this come follow me thing? Uh, what are the details? What are, are there some reassurances as I leave this over here and come with you? Um, in a sense, I, I want to know, someone's going to ask me to make a decision to go somewhere, I'm, I'm going to know the roadmap to the journey that I'm about to embark on. I want to I have that in hand first. And I want you to think about now, if in some way Jesus is still calling people, if Jesus is still this presence, and I believe he is, um, maybe not physically arriving in physical form into your life or your job or your school or your home, but if in some way Jesus still comes into our life and, makes, and, and there's a call to come and follow me, and I believe he does this, then in what way are you, just like I am, Waiting and asking and almost demanding to have the roadmap first before you go over here. And to have more details. Or to have things all lined up perfectly. Because with Jesus, apparently what we're told here, what we're given, the picture of is that the details are not given. And in fact, there's something about Jesus, and this is where I don't want to go too far guessing, but there's something about Jesus that these, these people... Um, who follow him, they don't even ask for details. They don't, they don't have that conversation. We often put our own conditions on following Jesus. I think that's something that everybody does. So look, like if I'm talking to someone who says, um, you know, which happens a lot, I'm talking to someone who, who says, um, you know, in some way or another, they say they gave, they've given up on, on the church, or on the supernatural, or on Christianity. In some way, there are some conditions that they have that haven't been met, or that were met so poorly that they've, that it's been enough for them to walk away. We have our own conditions on following Jesus. You know, I'm guilty of this. We can even use, so that's kind of true for people maybe who, have, who aren't in the realm of following Jesus, but there's also those who, it happens in the church where theology and tradition of church people can become a way within the church and the religious sphere of not following the call of Jesus. Because we can cram our, our expectations of Jesus so full of expectations and conditions that aren't really part 
of what Jesus is actually calling us to do, that it's that we're really not anymore pursuing God's call. That's just how much we are kind of, our default is to go away from Jesus' call. So I think the question today, as we start looking at this, is just what does it look like for you right now to hear and respond to the simple call of Jesus? You know, what you picture the look on his face like when he came and spoke to these people and, and said, come follow me. I like to realize about myself sometimes what I imagine, catch myself imagining maybe a furrowed brow and a raised voice, right? Come, follow me! Maybe a pointed finger, right? It's like, wait, why, am I, why is that what I'm picturing? And instead, like, I think it's maybe a little more like a, just a gentle smile. Um, come. Follow me. Come. Follow me. Come follow me. I do hear that. I'll send you out to fish for people. Part of that is that the fishermen left their nets behind and their fishing business behind. We are often in this exchange with God, in the way he calls into our life, we are often called away from things. We often have patterns of coping with the struggles of life, the challenges of life. We have patterns that can become really predictable. Sometimes they're just fine things, and Jesus has, a, has better things in store. Sometimes they're really unhealthy things, and in fact, we feel kind of stuck, and we're really wish and hope that something could bump us out of the rut, but we just don't seem to have it within ourselves to do that. Sometimes it's what we eat or we drink, just to get real tangible here a second. What does this look like, these ruts we get in? Sometimes it's the way we use uh, things we put in our body as a way of just coping. I had a, another season recently where I, I was pretty open with various people. I don't know if I spoke about it from up here. I think I did, actually, on one Sunday. But how I was realizing alcohol was, was functioning that way again for me, just as a kind of coping mechanism, as a way that, uh, that of me just filling some space with something that was really a nothing. And I was led and convicted to <coughs> take a break and, and ask hard questions and look at what I was feeling and not feeling in life and listen for God's voice more. So sometimes we have these things. It may not be a bad thing, but they're just filling space. Social media. Right? <laughs> where, where did those two hours go? And then again the next night, where did they go again? And where did they go again? You know, digital sources of entertainment. We just, you know, sometimes our free time, we just find, we can just be realize that what we're doing is putting ourselves in a digital coma of sorts um, on a regular basis. Sometimes it's impression management. It's going around just <coughs> putting a lot of energy and mechanics into what I want to look like, what I want people to see in me, how I want the world to perceive me, my great insecurities about who I am and what I look like and what people think of me, and, and the fears and the worry around that. 
all the energy put in to impression management. And all the layers of dishonesty that are involved, and the stress. You know, we just want to get, we don't know how, but we say, maybe it'd be sure it would be nice to be bumped out of that, to be turned in a new direction. For some of us, it's the stress and planning around money. Finances are one of the big things that become a, a god for us. And anything can become a god for us, something where that you really, when it comes down to your decisions and your worries and your stresses, what's driving you today is, you know, this thing, maybe it's money for you. Um, we have a whole bunch of things, maybe yours wasn't mentioned, but we have these things and they function in our lives like unproductive nets. We keep throwing them over the edge of the boat, rinse and repeat, and we hope that this time the results will be a little more satisfying, but what is drawn in is never enough to truly fill. Jesus says, come. Leave your nets behind. It's going to be okay. I have bigger things in store. Follow me. He said, but where? What? How? What's going to happen? Follow me. And if you read it closely, um, you, you, you see in verse 15, these first words out of Jesus' mouth, you know, in many ways I wish they were different. I wish he had said something different because these are too big too mysterious, uh, too hard to unpack, really. They're not tangible enough for me. I'm just going to be honest. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I don't know how you hear those words. But people don't, you know, people don't talk that way. And just that the way that the fact that people don't talk that way today, it's actually true that people didn't talk that way then either. <laughs> and that's important to realize that Jesus, by saying these things, he, now listen to what he was basically saying. He's saying, "The time has come." Um, you know, so that's pretty self-explanatory. That you know, now is an important time. This is a big deal. And this is the kingdom of God is 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 near. Kingdom of God has come near. And what he's saying is that the realm of God, the realm of the divine, I can announce to you that it has come closer. People don't say that. People don't talk that way. Um, and then he says this thing, repent, which is saying change directions for the good news. Believe in the good news. There's good news for the world. This is what Jesus is announcing. That the realm of God is close right now in this time. He's the one who has the credentials somehow to announce that and, that, and to also say there's good news for the world. Um, so what he does, immediately and abruptly, from the very beginning, he puts this issue in our court. Who is he? What category do I put this person in? Because people don't do that. People don't have that inside information. People don't talk that way. <clears throat> if he's saying those things, to put it in the, I think it's C.S. Lewis, um, the great kind of atheist turned Christian, um, and he's a kind of a writer who's, who's helped a lot of people sort these things out. The way he's put it is, he's either, this person saying this, is either a liar, a lunatic, or a lord. 
there's not some middle place that's really comfortable, right? Oh, he's a, he's a guru, he's got some good things to say. Because he says, this is what it's all about. I, I am someone who can tell you God is close and that there's good news for the world here. So he's either a liar or he's a lunatic. That really is what is at stake. Or he's Lord, he has the credentials. He's either crazy or he's, he has come from that realm of God. I just find it to be fascinating. And that's also, it's fascinating because um, I don't know that a lot of churches or Christians want to admit this, but Christianity makes itself very vulnerable on this point. Because there isn't that middle ground of, hey, it's okay, it's just, it's a good teacher, he has some things to add to your life like everyone else. He's either crazy or he's Lord. And in churches like City Life and all over the world, there's not just people, you need to know this, there's not just people sitting here saying, I love church because it's, um, I'm here because of there's rules and I want my life to be better and I want my kids to have, a, have some morals, moral underpinnings. I want to do the right thing. There's a whole bunch of people here and everywhere else in churches who have done business with, they've come to some fork in their life, fork in the road in their life, and they had to do business with who is Jesus? and sort out with the help of folks like C.S. Lewis and other writers, who is Jesus? And they decided that he's not crazy, and that he really has come from the other realm. And so then now, my response is different than if he was just a teacher, a good teacher like the other religions have. And so much rests, then, if that's kind of the realm we're in, so much rests, even from the very beginning, the first words out of his mouth, so much rests, do you see this? So much rests on what happens after he dies. Because if he, if Jesus just dies and stays in the tomb, and no one ever sees him again, none of us are sitting here today talking about it. It's gone. It's just a, it's like a, a chapter in an ancient historical book about many of the failed revolutionaries in that part of the world in that time. So much changes on the resurrection. And they knew that from the very beginning. They knew it was important. So in the early, in the New Testament, often names of key people who are still alive, who saw him either, they saw his dead body or they saw him when he appeared to over 500 people risen from the dead. Names of people are mentioned as the story is told, because they're still alive. Go and talk to them. Because this is unbelievable stuff, but everything hinges on it. A guy with grandiose claims about the realm of God and the good news comes back to life. Now it gets uncomfortable for everyone. So my friends, I don't have the specifics for you this morning and how the simple words come follow me, how those are heard, and how that will play out in your life. But I know that God will help you. And I know that the risen Jesus is still very much calling people. I would love, selfishly, to hear that that call is being heard by many of you to kind of formally become a member at City Life Church, and get baptized, and be a part of this whole process of becoming a congregation. That feels to me like it kind of fits today. Maybe that's what Jesus is saying to you today. Come to the newcomer's lunch. Is that the call you're hearing? But that would be extremely narrow of me to think that that's 
the most exciting way that you might be here in the call. I've sat with so many people. I've gotten to sit with you and hear the amazing ways. They're so unpredictable. The ways you've heard Jesus call to you and lead you over and through things in your life that are unbelievable in the past. And the ways at City Life, as you've sit here, sat here and as you've sat with me and sat in community, the ways that Jesus has had a specific call for you in different times, you know, to move on from this kind of way of life or this behavior, to move into that neighborhood because of God's call, to move out of this work and go into that work because of God's call. All kinds of, I mean, I can't even, there's so endless, endless amounts of incredible ways God leads. So it's not my voice you'll hear today. But my prayer is that you hear the voice of Jesus. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Let's pray. God, I humbly offer my voice to try to retell a story and re-voice the simple words that you said so long ago. And I do so trusting you to lead and to guide along the way. Each of us, as we as we are often longing to hear a voice, often longing to get nudges in a direction, and often wishing we didn't hear just silence. So would you speak? And would you help us to follow? In Jesus' name we pray.